Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. All right, welcome to Plan for Life Now. I am Steve Gilliani. And I'm Dave Murray. Boy, it's good to be back on the podcast airwaves. Yes, give us a summary. Give the listeners a summary of your trip to Peru. A summary of my well, trip to Peru? Well, come on. I mean, I don't okay, know. well, we've already heard Peru. the summary, but... Well, basically, we went to Peru, which you don't really go... It's not like your first overseas trip. <laughs> so, we, And we took our kids. Now, my kids are getting old. So, my youngest kid is 19. I have three children, 20, 19 to 25 years old, and uh, it was really quite an adventure. I would just say we went to the Machu Picchu, mm-hmm. if you've heard of that, which is an amazing site. Peru is like, in the Andes, are these amazing sites that are, you can take a picture or try to describe it, you sort of got to go. Right. So for those of you, a lot of you are retirees and you want to travel, I would say go to Peru early in your retirement cycle while you could still walk. Well, that's what I was going to say. Your caution was you've got to be able to get around. you got to be able to get around, and these places are high elevation. There's right. a city called Cusco. It's uh, 10,000 feet up. Machu Picchu is 9,000 feet above sea level. We went to this Lake Titicaca area, 13,000 feet. So uh-huh. there's altitude issues that you right. prepare for, but it was a... An amazing trip. I'm glad also we could take the kids while they still want to go with us and their schedules are not too busy with work and school and stuff like that. That's good. It's all good. It's what you guys should be doing in retirement. That's why we do this stuff. It's but, to be able to retire and do more of these as opposed to maybe once a year, but I'm still working. Yeah. People who are retired, they've got the flexibility to do it more. But to be able to do that, they've got to have good health. Yes. And to be able to have good health, you probably need to have good health care. And that's what we want to talk about today. I mean, you roll your eyes or, you know, not roll your eyes. You roll my eyes. You, you raised your eyebrows, I should say. Yeah, uh, you have to have good health. I was just thinking to myself, you also have to be able to afford, with the good health comes, this is part of our discussion today, the mm-hmm. potential for higher premiums than today's seniors are looking at. Right. To, to protect your health. Yeah, and I mean, the way we wanted to set up this discussion is in the context of the overall retirement plan, financial plan. Obviously, whenever we're doing that, we're projecting out expenses into retirement. And we commonly get the question about what if healthcare costs go way up in retirement? You know, what if all of a sudden my Medicare premiums are quite a bit higher or it costs more in deductibles or I've just got to pay more out of pocket because things are going towards high deductible plans. What, what if that's the case? And I always like to start off you know, these discussions by talking about big picture, 
you know, you'll read these articles in financial planning, you know, magazines, things like that, and they'll talk about anybody who's retiring needs to plan on $260,000 in healthcare costs in retirement. Now, they will always put an asterisk next to that to say this does not include long-term care costs. Right. Right. So we're going to get to that because that's a whole another side of things that we've got to be planning on. But I always say that when I see these big numbers, you know, when they say that, uh, well, production of rubber boots was 1.1 billion. I don't know. That doesn't mean anything to me, right? You know, put it in some context of what I can understand. Right. When they say healthcare costs 250,000, eh, it's kind of hard to just visualize what does that mean for me? So I dug into this a little bit more and I went on this AARP website. And it's a pretty cool website. I'm going to post the link to it down here below the podcast. But what it lets you do is plug in your age, plug in any health issues that you might have. So if you're listening to this and you say, well, you know, I've got a little bit of hypertension and, you know, this osteoporosis thing, my doctor's just watching it, but it could creep up here. Right. You can plug those things in, and they'll give you a projection year by year as to what costs you should expect to pay out of pocket. So I thought it was interesting because you go on, you plug in, you know, I think I plugged in some mild hypertension and, and osteoporosis. And I don't have the page in front of me right now, but I think, you know, it said at 65, you should expect to pay $5,000 out of pocket. And that's a combination of Medicare premiums, Medigap premiums, deductibles, things like that. That same person at age 85, if they're still alive, would expect to pay something like $15,000 out of pocket. Right. So it, it, at least for me, helped to really drill down and think about, okay, here's my budget, the things I can think about and I know that I have to pay. The mortgage, the cable bill, the electricity, the car insurance. Health insurance is always sort of this, yeah, I know it's going to be more. I don't exactly know how much it's going to be. This, at least in my mind, helped us plan for that a little bit better. Yeah. And then even on a more global way of looking things, mm-hmm. we'll try to even break this down even the simpler. A lot of everything that we talk about, if we were to keep breaking down the subsets, comes down to... The old days when your parents, my parents, as a 55-year-old, had pension money yeah. that was more than what, the, let's say you have nine or $10,000 a month coming in for pension and your expenses are $8,000 a month. Right. Well, now you look at everything. Look at the cost of health care. And let's say you have $500,000 in retirement assets. Your pension money, which is a nice hefty and healthy pension index for inflation is covering a little bit more in your expenses. If I were to add some extra cost to healthcare, mm-hmm. I would say, well, I might have to dip a little bit into my 500,000 that's sort of sitting there and growing. And while I'm not happy about those extra healthcare costs and I need to keep an eye on it, eh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well. Now, now you look at the, the world today where many of you listening don't have a pension. Yep. And you have more than $500,000. I, I don't have five. I have like $1.5 million. Okay. So in, you feel good 16. about that. You feel good about that, but you don't have the pension. Yeah. So now the $1.5 million has to 
support you. You have Social Security and the $1.5 million. And income has to be created for normal expenses. Mm-hmm. We have to now accept the notion that we're going to have higher health care parts digging into the $1.5 million, making you know a higher percentage of that $1.5 million I have to take every month, every year to support myself. Yeah, we'll get to long-term care at some point in this conversation, but a long-term care expense is going to break you on something like that. But look at the, once again, the difference between retirement planning, which is working on investments like what we do. Mm-hmm. We Our job is to help you grow your money, and investment planning is a big part of that, but it's also what we're discussing today. How within all of an investment plan do you deal with these costs, and how do you really deal? It's more magnified for the, you know, the retiree with no pension, it's it's an issue for the FERS, like someone in the government who doesn't have the full pension. Yeah, they got and partial. maybe even less of an issue right. for you SERS people with the best of those government pensions from back in the day. No, you make a really good point because you're right. If If you've got a pension covering all your expenses plus extra, you know, so your expenses are 7000 but your pension's 10000 and we, you know, know plenty of these people, you've got this cushion built in. And a lot of people, when we're talking about this subject, you know, they want a, a very specific, exact, how much extra should I plan in to pay for healthcare? Because I'm convinced that healthcare is going to be more in the future. Or it could be something else. I mean, we've had people, I'm convinced that gas is going to cost $10 a gallon. I'm convinced that whatever is going to cost quite a bit more. And the answer that doesn't always satisfy people is you've got to plan to have that extra cushion in your retirement yeah. plan, in your income. So if if normally we were planning on, you know what, $5,000 a month, that should satisfy things, we've got to really be able to support more like six, 7000 because you don't know what costs might be significantly higher. So you build in that cushion, and that's really the best way to deal with it versus trying to specifically predict exactly what healthcare costs are going to be 15 or 20 years from now. I mean, you just can't do it. Right, and if you build in a cushion and you prepare an income plan that's looking at these costs, and for some reason you don't have those higher costs, Mm -hmm. all you have is extra income, and nobody's ever complained about having too much money coming in this month. Right. Darn, now I have to put more aside than I wasn't. Oh, what a horrific problem that is versus not having enough money and really not working anymore and not being able to do anything about it. All right, so the the healthcare costs, obviously this big chunk that everybody needs to deal with and face, but we've all we all have different scenarios there as far as do you have health insurance through your employer and Medicare is, you know, kind of a supplement to that? Are you entirely relying on Medicare? But we transition now to talking about long-term care insurance or long-term care. And I mentioned at the beginning that all these estimates that say, well, you're going to need a quarter of a million throughout your retirement to pay for supplemental health care, they don't include long-term care. And while we all might have different scenarios as far as our health insurance, pretty much nobody has long-term care paid for by any sort of program that's being given to you. You know, you're either buying private insurance or you're spending down all your assets and relying on Medicare. Right? You you really and I mean I guess kind of the in between is self-funding it. 
know, right. those are your options out there. And it's such a big risk to your overall portfolio that you know, we think that that makes sense to cover that risk for people who can. Yeah, I mean, long-term care is really... So it starts with addressing something that you don't want to address. You know, it's like, I'm not going to get this accidental death policy when I'm flying over to Europe, flying to Peru, like my trip. Mm-hmm. Eh, I'm not buying this thing. It's like 20 bucks, and if I die on this plane, you know, right. then my family will get a million dollars or something. Well, here's a reason you're not buying it. You're not going to die on that flight. Right. It's a good reason not to buy it. Accidental you don't, death policy. You don't buy meteor insurance? No. Right. I wouldn't buy any of that stuff. <laughs> I saw some presentation once about this guy, you know, where he had been pitched meteor insurance. So if a meteor hits your house, it's going to pay off big time. But the point was, how <laughs> are the not going to hit your house? Quite frankly, you're not going to die in a plane crash because right. uh, it's all statistics. But long-term care is a statistic that is a little bit disturbing because we don't want to think about it. I, I do not – I have long-term care insurance. I actually never ponder too much being in my mother-in-law situation of you know, having dementia since she's 82 now. And okay. she's really had dementia, beginnings of it, since about 72. And she's been in – assisted living for Alzheimer's for four and a half years now and running. Right. And the tab on that is over $500,000 and she's still alive and it's a horrific way to live and it just gets progressively a little bit worse all the time. And it's easy to say, oh, that's not going to happen to me. I say it to myself. Now, I have long-term care insurance because I also know what the statistics are. Mm-hmm. The statistics are 40 thousand people in this world have long-term care or have alzheimer's and if that were true you'd feel better it's 40 million <laughs> 40 say, that seems million I, not 40,000 not 400,000 40 million yeah it is the number one long-term care health crisis in this country mm-hmm. as far as expense and it's just one of many things that can happen to you. But just look at it. Why? As we live longer, guess what? The brain starts this. These are things that can very well, very much happen to you. Mm-hmm. And it's just one thing. And there is no cure for Alzheimer's. And when you start to look at that one thing that can wipe out most of your retirement assets, that in and of itself, let alone the normal aging process, Right. And needing long-term care. Well, I mean, your mother-in-law is a great example of someone where you could say she could af- afford. You know, you say it's been half a million dollars out of po- or you know paid for her care so far. She could have afforded to pay that, right? I mean, she's not giving away her estate here, but she certainly could have afforded that. But that means significantly less for the heirs, and always that question mark if is she going to outlive those oh, yeah. assets it would have been a disaster and then there's you know again part of it i think maybe a small part is about i just wanna when i oh yeah we, we were on our trip we met some people and i'm like talking to one guy and you know he's older and he's he has a house in palm springs and they travel a lot and he asked are you are you a member of the ski club and i go no my wife and i were not big skier oh no you don't know what that means spend the kids inheritance <laughs> you know and a lot of people sort of think that way but i personally don't i, I i'm of the belief personally this is not speaking for you clients but mm-hmm. personally 
yeah, you know, I, I'm going to do what I'm going to do in retirement. I'm sure. not going to skimp, but I know that living a reasonable retirement and doing what I want and taking more trips mm-hmm. than once in a while to say Peru because I'm retired, I can do that and leave plenty of money right. <laughs> for my kids to make their life easier. Yeah, you know, not make their life easy, but easier. I think that's as the they approach. get older and retire. And that's the, a big part yeah. of this is you don't want to – most people don't want to spend all their money. And quite frankly, they'd rather leave it to something worthwhile well, than long-term care. Maybe not their kids, but maybe a charity or some, something good in this world. Yeah, and I mean even take your mother-in-law's case. Let's say your, your father-in-law hadn't gotten uh, pancreatic cancer and passed away. He could still be alive and well, and now his wife is needing care – Draining down assets, draining and, down most of their assets, yeah. and, and the way things are going anyway. And, and also, you're right. His everyone in his family lived to his. He had a huge long life. His father, a lot of his relatives, still alive into their mid nineties. Right. He died at eighty one. So he easily could have been in a position where this would have been his problem. And you and I, when we work on long term care with clients, we're not worried about inheritance. We're just working about making sure that sure. you guys, you, the you know the the person or couple we're dealing with have enough assets it's just not for people who the insurance premiums are a tiny percentage for the of their net worth for the people who should be getting it to me it's completely not debatable Mm -hmm. um and a lot of you this is just remember reminding you most people listening to this based on the fact that they are our clients already have long-term care insurance 90% 90% well, of people listening to this are, I hope this is just reminding you that no matter what your friends say, why did you get that? It's too expensive. You're never going to use it. Hopefully all these discussions remind you that you did the right thing. You were smart to get it. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just bringing yeah. everything back to the big picture, you know, if it's health care costs or long-term care costs, you know, in any financial plan, any retirement plan, we're trying to find the best way to deal with with that possibility, that potential attack on your assets, right? So a lot of financial planning is about, okay, let's prepare for the what if, right? What if the stock market crashes? What if you need health care? What if you need long-term care? And let's try to come up with the best scenario to deal with that. You know, on the investing side, obviously diversification, using different products and things like that. That helps us deal with the uncertainty of investing. On the insurance side, you know, I think long-term care insurance is is a no-brainer, like you said, for dealing with that risk. And then on the healthcare costs, you know, given the uncertainty of where healthcare will be, I think having that extra cushion of income is really the best way that you can deal with, you know, that level of uncertainty that you might have about what costs will be in the future. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll get right back with you guys next week.